the Oscars are... I did not write any of this part down. Welcome to Feeling It, a podcast where we discuss TV, movies, pop culture, and whether or not we are feeling it. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to the show. And here we go. Come on, talk and talk. All right, here we go. You guys want to hear something neat? It's showtime! Hold your ears, folks. Here we go! See what you can do now. Take your position. All right, ladies, buckle up. Let's do this. Hold on to your butts. Seriously? Listen to me very, very carefully. Hey, it's me again. Eat him up. Enjoy. We're here again. One of my favorite episodes that we do every year is the Oscar predictions episode. And this is it. We're doing it this year. <laughs> um, we are also going to be talking about After Yang, Coconata's new film. It is a film that we have been highly anticipating for many years now at this point. Um, so we will be talking about After Yang as well as the Oscar predictions. But before we get into that, let's introduce ourselves and answer the question, how far back do you have to go to get to a Best Picture winner that you haven't seen? Well, I am Sandra Amstetz. I'm in Nashville, Tennessee, and I don't have to go back very far at all because mm. I did not see Green Book. Oh, you never um, saw Green Book? No, which was, I guess, maybe two or three years ago. Oh, you're missing so um, much. <laughs> right, yeah, no, no, I, that's what I hear. Um, yeah, 2018, I, yeah. Yeah, I didn't make time for it. I just, when, when, you, when you hear all the bad press about a movie, it just... It's hard to like make yourself watch it, you know. It is. It is. So, um, especially yeah. a movie that just pretty bland. Right. <laughs> so. I, so yeah, I, I didn't make time for Green Book. Um, yeah. What about you? I'm Lucas Wright from Chicago, and you have to go back to 1987. Uh, the winner was The Last Emperor. That's the last time um, I haven't seen. Ugh. That's the best. That's the last Best Picture winner I haven't seen, and for the same reasons. It is again, from what I've heard, it's a pretty bland, boring, <laughs> run-of-the-mill movie that happened to beat Broadcast News, Fatal Attraction, and Moonstruck, all oh fantastic God. movies <laughs> that I have seen. So, wow. so <laughs> I know. It sounds like you really make a point to watch, well, one, all the Best Picture winners, but do you also make a point to watch all the Best Picture nominees each year? Yes. Since 2010, I think, I have watched every Best Picture nominee um before the oscars um before that i've just kind of gone back and caught up on a lot of them but 1987 is definitely where i get caught <laughs> i i used to try to do that um watch all the nominees mm -hmm. I, I remember one year the year that lincoln was nominated i don't have anything mm. against lincoln i just was not interested in seeing lincoln i had just zero appeal for me and I remember forcing myself to watch Lincoln and then just being so mad at the movie when it wasn't really the movie's <laughs> fault. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't do that anymore. I don't, like, force yeah. myself to watch things just because they're nominated. Yeah. I mean, who has the time? No, just me, none of us. really, is it? Um, <laughs> but that is what we are here to do today. We are here to talk about the Oscars and watch the movies so you don't have to, to hopefully help you win uh, your pool bet. What's it called? Yeah, your um, Oscar party um, predictions. Yeah, and if you're not going to an Oscar party, you should. One of the things that I think is a delight every year is to see Sandra's, uh, what, what do you call them? Just your, your confections? Oh, the, oh, my menu? The, my Oscar menu? Yeah, your, yeah. Yeah, the menu for your Oscar party every year is truly phenomenal. So if you're not following Sandra on Twitter um, or Instagram, do you, you post them on Twitter as well, right? Mostly, mostly on Instagram. Instagram, okay. Yeah. If you're not following her in either of those places, definitely check her out at least during the Oscars. <laughs> I am working on my menu as we speak, 
And um, I think we're gearing up for another great year. I, yeah, I, I tend, I have a, a fondness for taking the Best Picture nominees and turning their movie names into food puns and, and basing a menu off of that. It's one of my pride and joys each year. So yeah, I'm getting, I'm excited that this time has come back around. They're pretty brilliant. And on years where the Oscars are not going my way, it is still fun. <laughs> it's it's the one shining joy. <laughs> so. Um, so before we start talking about the Oscars, every week we like to talk about something we've either discovered or rediscovered. So Sandra, I'd love to know what you're feeling this week. So this week I'm feeling a Netflix comedy special from a comedian who I've been following along with like her career. There's a, there's quite a little community of this specific group and generation of like New York comics that I really love. Um, I, we've we've talked about how my most anticipated movie of of twenty twenty two is a movie from Joel Kim Booster, who's a comedian in this scene that I really love. Um, Bowen Yang and Matt Rogers host the Lost Culturista podcast, and Bowen Yang is on SNL. They're also part of this like kind of friend group comedy circle. And another person in this scene that I've always been you know very fond of and amused by is Catherine Cohen. And she has a new Netflix special out, the comedy special, called Catherine Cohen, The Twist. She's gorgeous. But I had what critics and fans alike are calling a lady in a movie moment. What's that? What's that? What could that possibly be? What is that? So a lady in a movie moment is when something happens to you that might happen to a lady in a movie. So, for example, if you, um, if you check the mail with your little key... Lady in a movie. <laughs> if you hold a baguette. If you're even near a baguette. <laughs> lady in a movie. And if you say with me, run into your ex on the street, that is full-blown Hundy P. Lady in a movie. Thank you. Oh. Her special is, I think, a really fun blend of stand-up and storytelling mixed with a musical comedy that's more in like a cabaret style than it is like a Bo Burnham style. And it's it's a blend that I am really, really into. Um, she is, It's her on a stage with an audience and a piano player um, who is also her music, musical director. And they kind of weave in and out of her... Um, doing kind of classic stand-up material and then also blending in these original songs that are um, that go back and forth between being incredibly catchy kind of piano songs and also sort of stream of conscious music like vomit in a way that I really really love Um, her comedic sense of style is I also think like has a lot of millennial internet speak but in a way that is both like you can tell that she embraces it and she's also mocking it at the same time. Um, that's something that I think us as millennials can really appreciate. But then it's mm-hmm. also this very like theatrical old timey cabaret is just the word I keep using. Just like this um, very specific glamorous theatrical way of speaking mixed in with that millennial internet speak. It's a blend that I don't think everyone could pull off. And when the special starts, I think if you aren't familiar with her work, you might think, like, I am not into this vibe. But I think as you roll (laughs) along with it, it gets funnier and funnier, and you start to, like, be accustomed to, like, her rhythms. 
yeah, I'm just a big fan of hers. And also, I will just admit that so much of her personality and her comedy is, like, very much my culture. That culture being, like, plus-size millennial white lady from Texas. And That's a niche, a the- for sure. Yeah, with, with a theatrical <laughs> flair, I would say, like, all of that I feel I very much relate to. Her comedy isn't any about that those things specifically. It's just that's, like, who she is. But her comedy is a lot about, like, womanhood and self-image and how our femininity is perceived by society um, and insecurities that we live with on a daily basis. Um, And I fully relate to all of those things. So, um, yeah, I I think it's a really great first comedy special. And I'm excited that she's getting out there and going beyond just like the podcast realm. Yeah, that's great. I had never heard of her. Um, I'm very excited to check out her special. A musical plus comedy, I think all of that is always interesting to me. So, And everybody does it differently. Like you said, this is more cabaret, whereas Bo Burnham's is more... uh, I don't even know what to call Bo Burnham's, but... Right, right, right. So I'll definitely be checking her out for sure. Do you watch a lot of Netflix comedy specials? Um, I'm in a, I'm in and out on on them. I feel like they have produced more and more over the years. So early on when they were first doing comedy specials, I would watch a lot of them. At this point, it's just like an open floodgate that they're doing so many sure. comedy specials that I can't keep up. Um, so the ones that bubble to the surface that people talk about, I try and watch. So I'll yeah. definitely check her out. I ask because I don't really watch a lot of comedy specials unless I am mm. – particularly familiar with the comedian. You know what I mean? If I've listened to them on podcasts, if I know their point of view, it would be very strange for me to just like turn on a comedy special from someone, even if there's just like good word of mouth. I think the only time I've ever done that was the Ali Wong specials where Mm. um, I I hadn't seen anything of hers, but I had heard so much about those specials that it was worth checking out. But yeah, so it is interesting to me the people that are open-minded and will just like, yeah, here's a new comedy special. Let's give it a shot. Um, Sometimes I wish I was more that way. It's like like we said before, it's a time commitment. (laughs) Everything's a time commitment. So are you going to invest in somebody you've never heard of? Absolutely not. (laughs) Yeah. And I also, I do wonder, especially with something like Netflix, how many comedy specials get started and and people bail on, you know, like... Yeah. 10 minutes in because with me typically if i'm starting something i'm gonna finish it but i do think there's a whole other section of viewers that are just kind of like clicking around and Mm -hmm. (laughs) giving things uh, an intro shot yep yeah that makes sense um what are you feeling this week lucas um well, this week I'm feeling a movie that is on Hulu currently, and it's called Spontaneous. <laughs> oh, so what made you watch that? For our Oscar bets, there's always a stipulation that whoever wins um, picks a piece of media that the other person has to consume. I think it's always been a movie at this point. Um, the other person would probably not watch without <laughs> um, losing the to. bet. So you picked, I would say, a gory coming-of-age rom-coms called Sp- Spontaneous. Maybe, yeah, is that, is that the best way to describe it? I wouldn't I describe it as, like, a horror it. comedy, but, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's gory, but, like, I wouldn't describe it fully as a horror film at all. Right, right. But the basic plot is, without giving anything away, um, teenagers, high, seniors at this high school randomly start just exploding. Um, and it really just digs into kind of the feeling that I think – high schoolers in general have about getting older and the uncertainty of life and um, what does it mean to be an adult and all of this. And it stars Catherine Langford and Charlie Plummer, um, who are both 
really, really good in this movie. And this is not a movie that I expected to like. And even like, you know, at the beginning, probably halfway through, I was like, this is actually well done. Um, but it's not something I'm connected connecting to. And the longer we got on with this love story and this kind of more, um, you know, high concept plot, um, the more I just really got engaged in it. And I feel like it really does a good job of like towing the line of not being too sappy with this rom-com, um, but really digging into what does it feel like to be a teenager and how do we dig into the actual um, emotions and insecurities of someone that age. And I just think it does it really well. This is written and directed by Ryan Duffield, um, who I haven't seen anything else he's done. He, I know he wrote on the Insurgent series. Um, he also wrote a movie called Love and Monsters um, starring Dylan O'Brien, who we love. Um, I don't know if you've seen that one. I, I haven't seen anything else that he's done. I have meant to but, see it, but I haven't okay. seen it yet. Yeah. 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 This is the first thing I've seen of his, but I will continue to watch his movies because they, this one specifically, I don't think is for everybody, but if everything I've said so far <laughs> with all the blood and guts that you're going to get, if the, if it's up your alley, I do think this is truly a great movie. I'm so glad that you liked it because um, this movie made my top 10 of last year. Yeah. Uh, or not, well, 2020, not 2021. Yeah. <laughs> um, and um, it's it's so special to me. Um, I, I talked mostly about it during our top 10 of that year. So if you want to really hear me get into it, you can go find that episode. But mostly this movie was... Um, in a year of that pandemic, of this pandemic that we're still in, but in 2020 when it was very fresh and raw, um, this movie really meant a lot to me as this um, thought experiment of what what it's like to go through something traumatic like this and what it's like to have to deal with grief in a in uncertain times. Um, I I found it very moving in addition to being just like a lot of fun because it is still like a teen coming of age comedy. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I, it was one that I really thought you would like if you gave it a chance. And so I'm glad that it sounds like you did. I really did. And I do think, yeah, watching it in a, in the middle of a pandemic is, <laughs> yeah. um, I think a great time to, you know, to get into some of those thoughts and feelings, <laughs> but I am curious how it'll play like in 10 years. Um, when, you know, hopefully the world is in a better place. I'm curious kind of what, what my thoughts will be on it, but, um, my hopes and wishes for this movie is that it has like a Jennifer's body kind of life yeah. where, it didn't get that big of a reaction when it came out, but over the years, people start to realize, like, you know what movie's actually great is Spontaneous. Yeah. I, I would really love that for this movie. Um, yeah. I think oh, I think what's fun is, like, our Oscar bets allow us to <laughs> introduce each other to things that we absolutely never would, would see before. And so sometimes um, we come away still not liking <laughs> anything sure. about it. Um, but sometimes you get things like spontaneous. So well done. I appreciate you recommending that to me. Um, or for, I guess forcing me to watch it is, is probably the better way to say it. <laughs> well, thank you for coming to it with an open mind. Um, yes. Speaking of like our Oscar bets and our, and our, and, and my winning streak that I've been on, um, mm -hmm. two in a row. <laughs> yeah. Do we want to start talking about our predictions for this year? Let's do it. Mm -hmm. 
So be taking notes if you're planning on uh, using this to your advantage over the Oscar weekend. Um, the Oscars are on March 27th. Um, the final round of voting starts uh, this week. So we most of the categories are pretty much locked, um, and we have kind of the best picture sequenced voting starting to happen now. I think we have heard a lot of the news that has come out around the different um, award shows that have happened so far. So I've taken some notes. I hope you have too. We're going to run through our predictions. Before, um, before we start listing off our, our predictions, I just want to say up front, I'm getting a little bored winning all the time. So You've this- won two in a row. That is it. <laughs> This year is this year. The theme of my predictions is risks. I'm taking more risks than I normally would, Um, and I've identified about five categories where I think everyone's going to zig and I'm going to zag. So just just okay out there. That's interesting. I'm excited to hear that because I have also taken a couple risks, probably not four or five. Um, but I do think this is a year where a lot of things are pretty much set in stone. But there are some categories, I think I think we might line up on some of that, um, where uh, risking it all might be the best bet. How so. funny will it be if we take all the same risks? <laughs> if we both, we both zagged at the exact same time. I will say that <laughs> so. that is another recurring theme in our predictions is that mm-hmm. usually you and I are incredibly aligned with the exception of like two categories. Yeah. So it all rides on t- who wins the bet usually rides on like one or two awards. Yeah. Yep. So I'm curious. I think this will be fun. All right. Um, so I want to ask this up front because the short categories are the first ones that we're going to go through. Did you watch all the shorts? I haven't seen any shorts this year. Oh, love it. I usually try to watch all the shorts. This year, I got so depressed watching the shorts that I gave up. So I have not seen all of the shorts. They were rough this year. They are pretty rough. Also, way more nudity in the animated shorts than I (laughs) assumed. Almost every (laughs) animated short has like really uh, intense Um, nudity. So not for kids. My independent theater put out an announcement this year like make like a disclaimer like the animated shorts are not kid friendly like don't buy a ticket for your kids yeah there is one animated short that is for kids um and that's it (laughs) so um okay so We've got live action short, documentary short, and then animated short. Um, the three that I've got in are three of the ones that I have actually watched. Um, for live action short, I've got The Long Goodbye. For documentary short, I've got The Queen of Basketball. And for animated short, I've got Robin Robin. I am exactly aligned with you in all three categories. That's what I figured. Those have been pretty solid front runners by the way people have been talking about it. I will say The Long Goodbye is a good, interesting short film. Um, starring and written by Riz Ahmed. Um, it's basically a music video, so I would I would watch that if you get a chance. That's I good to know. I enjoyed it. Um, moving on, international feature. I mean, this is the easiest category. This, it, it really is. I have drive my car. I assume you do as yes. well. Yes, it's the <laughs> yeah. only one that's also nominated for best picture. So yes, it seems there's, like a lock. There's I would it would be one of the most shocking things in the world if it did not win. Um, for documentary fi- feature, this is one that could zig or zag. I have Summer of Soul, which I believe is currently the front runner. You have? I also have Summer of Soul. Okay. Um, Flea is an amazing international documentary animated feature that is nominated in all three of those categories that I was on my top 10 of the year list and I think is fantastic and I think better than Summer of Soul. Um, but I do think Summer of Soul is going to win here. It will be fun to see Questlove 
give an Oscar speech. It will. It definitely will. Um, yeah, documentary feature is one of the ones that will actually be part of the live show <laughs> and not pre-recorded, unlike all the shorts, um, sound, score, production design, film editing, and cinematography. Those are all being uh, how's how's it how's it working? The st- I, show starts my, before the broadcast. My understanding is that they are going to yeah, it, pre-recorded is probably the best way to do it. But they're still going to show those winners and like small moments from their speeches. But mm-hmm. I don't think, but they're not going to be included in the main ceremony as far as like being yeah. announced and all the nominees being announced and all of that. Yeah, if Riz Ahmed wins a, an Oscar off screen i'm gonna be extremely upset they're not gonna so. if they're not gonna waste they're gonna show riz ahmed they're not gonna like waste yeah. any <laughs> celebrity attention yeah either way if he accepts an oscar to a basically empty room that's uh that's depressing so um okay next up on our list we have animated feature um i'm curious what you've got i have encanto okay yeah me too <laughs> all right so far we're lockstep uh visual effects dune for me dune as well uh sound the okay. sound i i have dune so sound is where i am taking a risk okay and i'm gonna go with west side story i think that is a great backup call i still think dune's gonna win it but i think that's a that's a that's a good risk for you to take yeah we're, we're gonna see yeah. Um, remember when sound used to be two categories? Thank goodness we don't do that anymore. Look, I am very curious to hear how the sound editors and mixers feel about the the combination of it, but I am excited that I don't have to explain the difference between those two anymore. <laughs> Every so. single year. Yeah. Yeah. All right. This is a big one that I think we also might differ on. Uh, best song. I have... No time to die. So I also have no time to die. Oh, I think that was that was one of my zags. I do think um, Dos Organitas, um, Two Caterpillars. I do think with the the rise of Encanto, I do think a lot of people are really pushing for it to win, even though it's not the hit song from the the movie. Um, I do think that has a good chance of winning, but I still feel like Billie Eilish, um, who's this song came out like three years ago at this point, but. (laughs) um the movie's finally out so we get to we get to nominate it and i am excited to see her win if she does so i'm going for no time to die all right best score i've got dune so do i okay i still think it's also crazy that Hans zimmer might win an oscar and it not be (laughs) live so yeah it's pretty ridiculous um production design i also have dune yeah definitely okay cool makeup and hair eyes of tammy faye so this is where i'm gonna take a quite a big risk all right i'm going with cruella for this um now i I think this is my biggest risk that i'm taking quite frankly Uh yeah this is a huge risk (laughs) yeah 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 i'm aware that it is yeah um but i think it's well deserved but um i think it's a big risk right um yeah i i i i don't feel confident about this one but i do feel like you gotta, you gotta mix it up. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Shoot your shots. Yeah. Um, I'm assuming for costume design, you are also going with Cruella. I am. Yeah. Yeah. Same. That that seems like a lock. That is for sure a lock. Um, film editing, which this one I think could also go a couple different ways. I am going back to Dune with this one. As am I. Yeah. That, okay. That's that seems pretty safe okay i think west side story could come out on this one but mm. i'm i'm gonna stick with dune um cinematography here we go where are you going here i'm gonna go with power of the dog Ooh, 
this is the this is another one where we differ. I'm I'm sticking with Dune here. I do yeah. think that Power of the Dog is the front runner in almost every category, but I do think the love of Dune from the um, the craft side of the the academy is really gonna um, pull through here. Okay, yeah. I mean, I think it. Th- this is a close race, and I think Dune is is clearly has like um, I mean, a gorgeous, gorgeous cinematography. So it would yeah. be no surprise. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Original screenplay. I have Belfast. Okay. So this is where you're zagging yes. a little this bit. This is my zag. Yeah. Um, I'm sticking with Licorice Pizza, which is kind of the yeah. front runner here. Um, yeah. I think it's a good call. I mean, a movie about Hollywood um, in the 70s feels like everybody would vote for it. Um, but there has been so much love for Belfast right now that I do feel like this could be the one place that it um, it kind of stands out. So um, adapted screenplay. Okay. I've got Power of the Dog. And now I'm going to go with Drive My Car here. Whoa. Yeah. I love that. I love that. I, I do I do think that this is where it's gonna head. Um, yeah, I just think that I, that's just where my heart is telling me. There's so much love for Drive My Car in general that I do think that um, this is a place, like an unexpected place for it to show up outside of international feature. Um, so I don't think I would be fully surprised if it won it here. Um, but I would be I would actually be pretty excited if it did. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> it'd be amazing. <laughs> Um, all right, let's get into the acting categories. I'm going to read out the the nominations here. For Best Supporting Actor, um, we have Kieran Hines for Belfast, Troy Kotzer for Coda, Jesse Plemons for Power of the Dog, J.K. Simmons for Being the Ricardos, and Cody Schmidt-McPhee for The Power of the Dog. I am sticking with Troy Kotzer. I, Cody Schmidt-McPhee came in early, and I do think there has been such a groundswell for Coda. Um in spoiler for the rest of this, I it's this is the only award that I think Coda's going to win. Yeah, I would agree with that. But let me tell you, I think it's the most deserving of all of the awards. It is. I remember when I first saw Coda, immediately thinking this man deserves an Oscar for this performance. Um, it really, really. I think it's the heart of the whole movie. And yeah. um, I I was so excited to see that he got nominated and. I think his win will be like a, a highlight of the night. Hopefully I agree. I, yeah. That's also my pick. Yeah, I agree. I think Cody McPhee in the power of the dog is in a truly an amazing performance, but I also think it's something that he'll like, he will get nominated again in the future yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, where this is, this does feel like Troy Kotzer's only shot at this. Um, and his performance really holds that entire movie together. So, well, and it's one that like, people have been rooting for it for a whole year. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like this has just yeah. been, there's just been such a ground, like a, a build up to it. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. For best supporting actress, we've got Jesse Buckley for the lost daughter, Ariana DeBose for West side story, Judy Dench for Belfast, Kirsten Dunst for the power of the dog and Anjanu Ellis for King Richard. I'm going with Ariana DeBose. I am as well. Um, West Side Story. She stood out so much in this movie. Um, I do think I I I do love a lot of the other performances that are nominated here, but I just think she's such a shining supporting actress um, like role uh, that it's kind of locked for that. I mean, and then this is the role that you you win for. You know what I mean? This is this is an iconic role, and she is like just a powerhouse of a performer and mm-hmm. kills it in this. Yeah, yeah. She's amazing. I agree. All right. We've got best supporting actor for Javier Bardem for being the Ricardos. Best lead actor. 
you're you're correct there. <laughs> <laughs> We've got best leading actor Javier Bardem for being the Ricardos, Benedict Cumberbatch for the Power of the Dog. Andrew Garfield for Tick, Tick, Boom, Will Smith for King Richard, and Denzel Washington for The Tragedy of Macbeth. This is Will Smith's to win. I don't see really anything else happening. He's won almost every major award <laughs> so far of the year for this. Um, do you ha- do you, you do you concur? Yes, I definitely concur. Um, yeah. I will just say I still have not seen King Richard, but I oh. hope to before the award show. Okay. Um, I think it's a – I think it's a – a, a good movie. I don't think it's anything crazy, um, but I think people are really, really ready to acknowledge Will Smith. <laughs> yeah. So, and um, I love Will Smith. Who doesn't love Will Smith? It's true. It's true. He's great, and he's done a great job on this award circuit of really highlighting, um, you know, his cast and crew and supporting uh, actors actors around him, which has been really great. Um, for best actress, we've got Jessica Chastain for The Eyes of Tammy Faye, Olivia Colman for The Lost Daughter, Penelope Cruz for Parallel Mothers, Nicole Kidman for Being the Ricardos, and Kristen Stewart for Spencer. Well, I'm just going to say that even though I would be ecstatic if Kristen Stewart won this, I, I don't believe she will. And so I, yeah. my prediction is Jessica Chastain. Yeah. I agree with that. Again, she's won so many of the awards leading up to the Oscars um, that I, I feel like it's kind of already locked for her. For This is the one of the only movies uh, here that I haven't seen. <laughs> so, oh, you haven't seen Eyes of Tammy Faye yet? No, I haven't. I wouldn't say yet either. I would just say I oh. haven't seen it. <laughs> got it. Got it. Um, uh, I would, yeah, here's just the thing. Not it's good, not great. Um, yeah. Okay. I think if you've grown up in the church, there's a lot that is interesting and and, and relevant, you know. Yeah. Um. But otherwise, it's it's just okay. okay. It is going to irk me that it's the only one that I haven't seen. So mm. we'll see. I, I mean, might get around here's to the thing. It. I think the reason to watch this movie is for Jessica Chastain and Andrew yeah. Garfield's performances. Okay. You might have convinced me. Usually, I try to win everything that I think, or I try to watch everything that I think is going to win. Um. And this is just the one that I haven't put time into yet but i've still got time you know what all right i'm doing it it's happening official (laughs) (laughs) all right our last two categories we've got best director nope yes best director we've got jane campion for the power of the dog kenneth Branagh for belfast steven spielberg for west side story paul thomas anderson for licorice pizza and rusuki hamagachi for drive my car this one to me also feels locked i've got jane campion here for power of the dog I do as well. Um, okay. I would say if it, if I if I was choosing with my heart, I would pick mm-hmm. Spielberg. I think West Side Story is a masterpiece, and Spielberg yeah. has never been maybe never been better. Like I think he's this is I think one of his it's best real movies good. He's ever made. <laughs> yeah, in my yeah. opinion, for, you know, if you're asking me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think that Power of the Dog is a really beautiful movie, and I'm not. From a movie perspective, I'm definitely not mad about Jane Campion winning. Um, it's exciting to have another female director win mm-hmm. this Oscar. Um, it's so, so incredibly rare. And I just, it's exciting so that it can continue to happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. Um, She's the first uh, female director to be nominated twice. And so it'd be very exciting for yeah. um, to see her winning. Yeah. Um, she's had quite the, the publicity issues though, over the past (laughs) few days. And so it makes rooting for her a little bit like, you know, complicated (laughs) whereas like, I think we were before a lot of people were really excited to just like 
be excited for her yeah. and root for her. And now we're like, oh, Jane. Oh, so, but but nevertheless, it's a great film and, and one that is like a, a worthy win. Definitely. Um, well, that takes us just to Best Picture then. We've got Belfast, Coda, Don't Look Up, Drive My Car, Dune, King Richard, Licorice Pizza, Nightmare Alley, Power of the Dog, and West Side Story. We got a full 10 slot. Um, before you say which one you would nominate, is there anyone that you would kick off if you're just like, I don't think this should be here? Oh, that's a great question. Well, I mean, I haven't seen all of them. I haven't seen Don't Look Up, but that's okay. the one that seems to get the, has had the harshest reviews. Mm-hmm. So if, if I'm having to make that decision, it seems like that's a clear one to, to kick out. And yeah. you know what I would replace it with. So, I mean, <laughs> Spencer did not get enough attention, in my opinion. So, uh, got very little. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is what the first you? year. Th- I was going to say, this is the first year that they've um, required 10 films to be nominated. So, usually um, it's up to 10 films. And so, there's usually a little bit of wiggle room here. So, to me, Don't Look Up does feel like the one that it's like they had to get to 10. So, Don't Look Up ended up there. I don't know if that's actually the case, um, but it it does feel like the odd one out for me. Um, if I, if I had to remove it and replace it, um, I would probably replace it with flea. Um, it's it's the other one that's been nominated, (laughs) um, um, for the other, sorry, the other, it's the other international feature that's been nominated a lot. Um, and that has gotten a lot of good buzz. I think it's just a phenomenal movie and would love to see it in best picture. Um, all right. So my best, my pick for best picture is power of the dog. So is mine. I feel like, in past years, not last year, but in other years, you and I have always differed on the yeah. ultimate best picture. And that's usually been the deciding factor is it like has. whoever wins best picture kind of wins the bet. Mm-hmm. Um, but this year, it seems like quite a lock. And even though I, again, will say that I think West Side Story is a masterpiece and should be winning this award, mm-hmm. Power of the Dog is a beautiful film that I'm very excited to see get all this attention i agree it's beautiful it's unique i feel like it's something that we haven't seen before um both from jane campion but also just in hollywood a movie like this and so it is very fun to see something like this um be nominated for best picture and possibly win it it's not something i would have guessed you know a year ago at this point um so we do even though we are completely aligned um on the above the line um, works here. We, there are five categories where we differ, and that is sound, where you've got West Side Story, I've got Dune, Makeup and Hair, where you've got Cruella, and I've got The Eyes of Temi Faye, Cinematography, where you have Power of the Dog, and I have Dune, Original Screenplay, um, where you have Licorice Pizza, and I have Belfast, Adapted Screenplay, where you have Drive My Car, and I have Power of the Dog. So we shall see. It's a good amount of categories that we differ on. This, this might be, be the most we've ever differed on. I think so. I think so. Which is surprising for a year that I feel is pretty locked. Um, we are uh, the, the the ones that the ones that could be on the ball. Uh, we're we're on different sides of it. So of the five where we differ, which are you the most confident in winning, and which one are you the least confident in winning? I think that I think the one that I'm the most confident in winning is adapted screenplay. I do think Power of the Dog is going to beat out Drive My Car there. Yeah, and what about least? Oh, least favorite is uh, definitely cinematography. I do feel like that. That's the one that, like, picking Dune feels like the, <laughs> you know, the odd choice there. So I, yeah, I could I could see that going either way. Okay. Yeah. So the one I feel the most confident in, I would actually say is sound with West Side Story. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, yeah. 
I, I think they're going to want to give attention to this movie, even though like, you know, and, and I mm-hmm. think that's a good place to do it. Um, and then the least one is makeup and hairstyling with me picking Cruella. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about that one. I do feel pretty confident about that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, <laughs> so yeah. we shall see. This is going to be a fun year. I'm very excited about this. Me too. Um, oh. I, here's to hoping that this year's actual ceremony is much better than last year's nightmare. Um, I'm still bitter about how bad the Oscars were last year. And so it was not we, great. We have so. hosts this year. I'm hoping that helps. Yep. Um, who do we have hosting? We have Regina Hall, Amy Schumer, and Wanda Sykes hosting, um, which Level feels like three. a, I, I do too. It just feels like a, a just a kind of roll the dice on like who to get. It feels like a random assortment, but I'm excited to see what they do. Every year is interesting to me, even though last year obviously wasn't a great award show. Um, but we'll see. It's always a new, a new situation. So, um, we'd love to hear what what you guys picked. If you guys differ on any of these. So definitely let us know. Um, also, uh, tweet at us if you end up winning your, your ballot based on any of this. So please let us know if you win, because, because I've definitely had people reach out to me and tell me like, Hey, I won because of what y'all, what you told me to vote on. So yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, I, th- I I think this is a great way to do it. Put some money on it. It'll be good. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Are you ready to talk about After Yang? Oh, I'm incredibly ready to talk about this movie. Starting. Columbus is a movie that we talked about in 2016. It was our best movie of the year. Was um, it really that long ago? Yeah, it was a very long time ago. If 2016. If you just asked me, I would have said 2018. Like, Oh, man. No. Wow. No. It was so long ago at this point. <laughs> um, and that was the first film by director Koganada. Um, we hadn't seen or heard anything of him before that. And it was truly an incredible experience getting to watch that movie uh, many times over. So after Yang um, has been announced as his follow-up for a very long time at this point, and we have been waiting very eagerly to see it. So we finally got to watch it. Um, it is out in theaters and on Showtime in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, and starring Colin Farrell, Jody Turner-Smith, Clifton Collins Jr., uh, Haley Richardson. So yeah, I would love to hear just your overall thoughts coming into this movie and then kind of what you thought coming out of it. I, I've been so ready to see this movie because Columbus meant so much to me. Like there, there are movies that are my favorite of the year and that like, I think are really, really great pieces of work. Right. But Columbus is a movie that I had a deep personal connection to, and I have revisited so many times. Um, and so I don't think I've ever anticipated a second film from a director in the way that I have anticipated after Yang. So of course I, you know, the first weekend it came out, I made, I bought tickets to see it at my local independent theater. Um, I went with some really lovely friends and I was fully transported. Um, I, I'm, in, I'm intrigued at what this conversation is going to be like with you today, Lucas, because this is a movie that I do think I need to watch a couple more times for me to fully understand my own feelings and reactions to this film. Um, but I have some initial reactions and they're all incredibly positive, <laughs> um, <laughs> which is not much of a surprise. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, did you... I know that you said that this came out in theaters and on Showtime, and I feel like lately, whenever the question is, did you see this in a theater at home, you're usually saying at home. Did you make it out to a theater for this one? I did, because I don't have Showtime. (laughs) Would you have watched it at home if you had Showtime? I absolutely would have watched it at home if I had Showtime. Lucas! I shouldn't be judgmental of that, but... I have become a completely different person in the last two years of staying home for everything. (laughs) Yeah, you really have. It's true. Uh, It's a lot of work to go to the theaters. Listen, if a a movie is at uh, my local independent theater, which is two blocks from my house, I will always walk to that. If it is at any other theater (laughs) and it's available at home, I'm done. So yeah, coming into this, obviously, I feel like I had just like the highest expectations and I kept trying to like tamper them just being like, you know, this isn't going to be Columbus. Like you don't have to compare it to this, but you can't expect to connect to every movie from that director the same in that same intense way. Exactly. Exactly. But when it's a director who only has one movie and you connect with it more than, you know, 99% of movies, (laughs) it's so difficult to separate that. Um, So I kept trying to lower my expectations and I... I think what this movie did for me was so interesting because it I I was completely immersed in this world and I think what Coconut does so well is the quiet stillness of the world that he's creating um lets you come in in a way that just you get to sit with it. There's a lot of periods of just sitting and staring and looking at the houses and looking at the nature and looking at the environment that's been created in a way that really 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 makes you connect with the film. So after Yang is about um, an andro- a family android who um, fails, and Colin Farrell's basically journey to figure out, you know, how do I repair him? What does this mean for our lives? Um, in a, the smallest way possible, I don't think there's a way of describing the plot in a way that um, tells you exactly how small this movie is. <laughs> um, because any every time I've tried to talk about like what the plot is, it feels like a bigger movie. Like it just feels like a, a sci-fi epic or something like that. Um, but it's really a small story with these, you know, small houses, small spaces, um, really just getting into the characters and what it means for them for, they call them techno sapiens in the film uh, um, to, who has been basically brought in to be um, like a cultural um anchor for their ado- daughter who they've adopted for, from China and is really the whole kind of the whole movie just like spitting out facts about China and stuff like that um, but it ends up functioning more as a friend or an older sibling for this um, for this child and I think one of the things that interested me in the movie is once this Android you know quote unquote dies malfunction stop working um, in addition to the journey that Colin Farrell's character takes to figure out how to repair it um, is also just going through his relationship with with technology and with uh, cu- culture and history, and um, he's a he's a tea shop owner. Well, I don't I don't even know what you'd call it, but his yeah. relationship with with tea and what that what what that means. Um, so it's really just very contemplative um, in a way that um, I found not off putting, but definitely s- still. I think this film is harder to connect with emotionally than columbus um but i don't think it's worse than columbus (laughs) i think something that that's really interesting i'm curious to hear your thoughts is that um columbus really allows you to connect 
quickly with the two main characters in that movie. And I think with this one with Colin Farrell, there's a distance that you get for most of the movie, um, which is intentional and I think is played really well. And I think really lets the, you know, the, the last third of the movie, um, land perfectly um but i do i do think it creates a little bit of an emotional distance for me to where i came out of it and i was like that is a fantastic movie that i that i don't absolutely love Mm. i think for me columbus is a pretty small movie in a lot of ways right like Mm -hmm. the story is very focused it's small in scope it's just about two people in a small town um and it's it's not it's not aiming for a ton of different things right it's it's so focused and after yang is um bigger in so many ways right it's it's a bigger it's a much bigger budget clearly um you have it's you know more widely seen and produced it's we're really seeing like a whole new world in this movie in a yeah. way that we're definitely not in columbus um, way more characters than Columbus deals with. Um, so, and these, these are not criticisms, but just, it's so easy for me to become so attached and to immediately have a strong reaction to Columbus. Whereas <laughs> with after Yang, because it is more ambitious, that's why I said earlier that I do think I need to see this film a couple more times before I can fully appreciate it. Um, there's so much to take in, even though his films are, um, you know, they don't bombard you with anything. They're so gentle and soft. Right. But yeah, there's, there's also very full and, um, yeah, I, I, they're the scope of this, especially compared to our experiences with Columbus was, um, a little disorienting, but not in a way that I'm mad at just in a way that's yeah. different. Definitely. And also, I just realized we should probably explain. Um, yes, what, what after, this movie is even about. Yeah, what the yeah. movie's about. Um, what I would say about, like, this movie and, and Columbus, we're just going to – I feel like we should just make it very clear, if we haven't already, that we're going to continually bring up Columbus throughout this whole episode because – at least I will because it's a movie yeah. that is so important to me. Um, is – Coconata's work is – at, at, the, at minimum, exquisitely beautiful. Like, mm-hmm. no matter, like, what the scene is about or the themes of the story are, when you go and you watch his work, it is – visual. the visuals alone are, are worth seeing this movie and, and seeing Columbus as well. They're so beautiful and thoughtful and transportive, and he – it, it's obvious that he takes such care in not only crafting the image that, that's the framing the image in our film in this film, but also every element that's within that frame, every um, costume, piece of set design, um, lighting choice is all so special. And yeah. it, as yeah. you're watching it, you want to live in each frame. You want to soak it up. You want to just. Um, hang it as a picture in your mind because it's so sweet and special. They're also sweet and special to me. Um, So that's one thing that I think makes his work so strong. Right. But then Mm -hmm. in addition to that, um, 
the writing and the themes of these of these stories just really like make me think in a way that is never yeah. stressful. One I think the reason that I've connected to Columbus in such a deep way is that one of the main themes of that story and that film is what it's like to be an adult child of a parent um, and what struggles are inherent in that. Um, and that's something that is very much my lived experience. Um, and mm-hmm. it's something that I think about quite a bit. Um, in addition to also being about like art and design and beauty in the world, right? Those are other things that that film tackles. This film is tackling things that I'm interested in, but are not necessarily my lived experience, such as what is it like to be a parent? What is it like to um, have to deal with grief of losing a loved one and, and, and being a parent of a child that's lost a loved one? Um, it's also dealing with the idea of what does it mean to be a human? What does um, our relationship to humanity and technology and what is that, what will the, how will that develop in the future? Those are all things that I'm super interested in, um, but don't have as much of an immediate connection to as I did this first film. And so it's a movie that I found was beautiful and so interesting. I I think that if I hadn't seen Columbus, I would think, wow, what a masterpiece. But because I've seen (laughs) Columbus and had such a deep connection to it, this movie is only great and not the greatest. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I think I'm I'm right on board with all of that. I think because, yeah, um, Columbus really ties into my lived experiences. That's why it's so poignant. And I'm I'm very curious to hear what people with kids um mm-hmm. um really think about this movie. Um I do want to talk spoilers. I know this is it's again, plot Definitely. is light in this movie, so there's not a lot of like big spoiler stuff, but like really getting into some of the scenes and stuff like that there, I think it would be good to move into a spoiler section. I agree. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Are you paying attention? It's your last chance to walk away. Let me tell you what's going to happen. Now, crack and gas. Spoilers! Remember, you wanted this. I think the scene that everybody's going to be talking about is the tea scene. Um, I think that is such a <laughs> interesting scene to me, watching Colin Farrell, a white man, talk about tea <laughs> to yeah. um, an android that's supposed to, you know, that is technically a chinese interpreter and is you know um the actor himself is chinese and so that 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 interaction when it started i was very uh skeptical and worried about it but i think it actually like really digs into the point of that of saying like this is a this is a man who has learned this culture over time from a documentary from a german man and like all of this like Mm. um and so it's just been passed down but it's no less meaningful and here's this android who is supposed to be, you know, an expert in this um, category who has no experience in it um, and is just, you know, has the facts. Um, and that it's not a judgment. It's not a, you know, a critique. It's more just like a, this is something that is um, an experience that it that, that there's tension in it inherently. Um, and him, that's kind of the scene where I think Colin Farrell's character really starts to think about um yang as a person (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. like as he's kind of reliving that memory thinking about it as um 
I'm not just talking to a fact giving machine. I'm talking to someone with, with memory and, and thoughts. So. Yeah. I, I took away that scene, just the tragedy and the beauty of Yang's character experiencing longing in that way. Uh-huh. Um, I love movies about AI. I, I mean, I, I'm very into the idea of AIs having souls and what that means for our world. Right. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, um, those scenes, especially where Yang is trying to figure out his own personhood and, and how it relates to humanity um, were scenes that really shone for me. And that, and that's one of them. His, his, examining of Colin Farrell's experience yeah. and trying to figure out whether he has or has not had a similar experience mm-hmm. um, was really beautiful. Yeah. I do think that's one of the things that this movie does really well is just examine some of those um, difficult, uh, compl- like complicated um, emotions and feelings that people have mm-hmm. in a way that I haven't seen a lot of movie- movies yeah. do. So. One thing that I, I really like about this movie is that it makes you think about a lot of different things and, and, and topics mm-hmm. and asks a lot of questions, but it doesn't necessarily have like, I would say a specific point of view in that, like, here's what we think about this thing or here's yeah. what the answer to this question. Yeah. Um, Which I think in it, some movies can come across as uh, unfinished, almost like you brought all these sure. things up without actually having a, a point of view. And you can totally. tell, I do think Coconata has a point of view, but a point of view is more like how complicated is this isn't this so right. complicated which really resonates and it doesn't feel like he's bringing too many things to the table of just like that you should have left that for another movie there's sure. a lot going on here it all feel like it blends really well yeah one of the things that this movie has like made me think a lot about that i think but doesn't necessarily have a judgment or an answer um in regards to it is the concept of adoption um mm-hmm. I am someone who has always wanted to adopt if I were to ever have kids. That is the thing that my entire life, ever since I was a little kid, that has been something that I've wanted for myself. Um, And throughout the past few years, I've done a lot of like personal reexamining of like those motives and Mm -hmm. also like what, what that means for that what that would mean for me as a parent and also what that means for people who are adopted and mm-hmm. whether adoption is an okay practice in the way that it is done in our like current, our modern day culture. Yeah. Um, and so I, I struggle with like the ethics of adoption and that's something that is, I, I think about a lot. And then this movie, I think, does a really good job about like bringing that up without condemning or, or praising, you know, either way, right. the, the adoption of their daughter and the, like the cultural significance of that is examined, but also like the purchasing of Yang, right. Mm-hmm. And the way that they discuss like his warranty and where they got him from and his history with other families, um, that is its own form of adoption that um, it was really beautiful to see it examined in this film. I loved thinking about his character as like a fellow adoptee. Yeah. Yeah. And the difference between those two. Um, I mean, he's 
you know, older, but children, right. you know, of, right. of, of within that family and kind of their standing and what that, what it, what it means to be one kind of adopted versus the other. So definitely. Um, I want to sh- shift gears a little bit yeah, and talk about a scene that was such a delight and such a surprise. And that is the opening credits of this movie. Oh my gosh. The best. I, well, I, I think it's the best part of this movie, not from like an emotional standpoint, but just like sure. from a fun standpoint of just completely surprised that this is what we got and a yeah. fun way of introducing these characters. Well, you know, we we don't have a lot of experience with his work, right? We just have Columbus. And yeah. before Columbus, all I know Kokonaga from is from he he was like known for putting together these a lot of these like very thoughtful video essays where he yeah. would edit together other filmmakers' works. Mm-hmm. Um all that to say, like the two films I've seen from him and then his previous work, I wouldn't say that like one of his strongest suits is like his sense of humor, right? That's not yeah. like <laughs> what we, we know him for. And yet this sequence could have felt so out of place. And yet instead of that, it felt perfectly in line with this movie and brought like lifted the spirits and brought this like sense of humor um, right at the beginning that I think was so like such a surprise and such a, such a nice surprise. I agree. I have gone back and like watched that scene a couple times. Yeah, um, I should. Um, I, uh, Honestly, I downloaded this this movie so that I could rewatch the. <laughs> I'm gonna need you to share that with me. The the opening scene, it's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah, the way it introduces all the characters that you'll be introduced to, and so thinking of them as part of family units, um, is interesting because they're not they're not on their own. They are part of families, and you've seen these families at the beginning, and so then mm-hmm. when you are actually introduced to these characters, you think of them as real and part part of other people's lives, um, which I think makes a huge difference in this. And I think it's a fun, you know, opening sequence, but I think it actually does something very important for the way that you um, think about these characters in the future. Well, and also like, I love the world building in this movie. Like, I yeah. mean, <laughs> that's, it's so good. It is so smart and thoughtful and, and interesting and not never over the top in my opinion. Um, the way it like lets us know just how futuristic this world is, the ways it is futuristic and the ways it isn't and what is still important to people, you know? Um, yeah. Something like a group, some, you know, we were of the age where DDR dance dance revolution (laughs) was like pretty popular and to see the idea that something like that would still be very popular in whatever year this film is set in, right? Yeah. Um, was very charming to me. And um, and just to see the, 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 the style of the clothes, the clothes in this movie, oh my goodness, I could talk forever just about how great I think all the costume choices were. Um, yeah. The, the home design, the technology, the way that we speak about technology. Um yeah, I I wanted to live in this world, one hundred percent. I think it's I think that's something that he's so good at is setting, um, setting up the beauty of a pretty natural world. Um, like as far as sci fi goes, this isn't anything crazy. It's it's 
low budget, but in an intentional way. Like, I mm-hmm. think the most futuristic thing we get are these pods that they travel in that you only see the inside of, of them kind of sitting mm-hmm. in it and having conversations. Other than that, um, you get the beautiful Eichler architecture. Um, the the only Eichler house on the on the East Coast in yeah. New York, um, which is just a beautiful setting for something like this. And the and the the costuming of all you know all natural fibers, very um, you know Eastern influenced. It's truly, truly all intentionally um, considered and very, very beautiful. Yeah, you know, it's obviously made me think of like what other movies have done this kind of world building. Honestly, I can't think of one that's done it as well as this movie. But the closest I can think of is her. Yeah, where yeah, um, that's the that's the one that comes to mind for me as well. Yeah, and it it feels different. It's a different way of kind of a, a you know approaching Definitely. it, um, but still that subtle warm approach mm-hmm. to a futuristic life. Yeah. Um, oh. what did you think of the choice to have this side plot? With the Haley Lou Richardson character, I liked it. I think bringing her into it really makes. Um, I think one of the interesting things is actually having Colin Farrell kind of find out about her and kind of tracking her down, and um, I think that really changes his perception of Yang. And so I think she's an extremely important part of his growth, um, in a way that I wasn't sure was going to be as important <laughs> um, as I was watching the movie, but I think she's great. I think it's fantastic to see her in it, but to see um, kind of Yang's memories of her, I thought was just really, really beautiful and yeah. kind of how that, um, how someone's memories like that and, and seeing how someone feels about other people um, changes your perceptions of those people. Um, when she first comes on screen, not in the opening credits, but like in, where you, where you see her kind of peering into that window yeah. before we knew who she is. Um, I, of course, immediately thought she was another Technosapien. Yeah. Um, and, um, or, or, and had something to do with possibly, like, his malfunctioning. And oh, it, interesting. It was, yeah. it was just slightly sinister, right, the way that she's yeah. introduced, right? Yeah. We, we don't know who she is. She's this stranger peering into this house. Um, it was really special to see that one and and again also great world building to find out that she was a clone and so that she had something in common and not being a fully natural human um but didn't have the exact same experience as yang and also to like that scene where we find out that she's a clone where Colin Farrell is talking to the daughters of his neighbor. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just kind of see that inner person that, you know, you don't really like clones. So maybe that's why he never introduced you to her, you know, yep. <laughs> um, it was very, very interesting, especially from seeing that kind of interaction with our hero character, Colin Farrell, who has been, Nothing but, like, pretty nice and lovely, right? Through most yeah. of this film, right? Yeah. Um, and to see that he has this kind of, like, prejudice was really interesting. Um, I, I found the scene, the memory scenes of her just, like, really beautiful and touching. Um, and I, I'm also curious what you thought. When, when you found out that Yang knew the original person, that that character was cloned off of 
do you think that he remembered the first person and then when he found the clone girl was like, oh, this is the same girl? Or do you think that, like, his memory was wiped in between those families and there was just something inherent in him that was, like, connected to her? Yeah, I got it more of just a sense of connectedness. Um, yeah. Not that he had any of those memories and were storing them. It was more just, like, okay, that's what we I are connected too. and tied together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in my, my friend group that saw it, we had different interpretations, which I thought was interesting. Mm. Yeah. Um, I'm of course much more of a romantic and I will always love the mm -hmm. idea of like something in our souls is finding each other, even when we yeah. don't know why. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. I don't know if I have that much more to say about it. Um, again, cause it's not a, it's not plot heavy. It's not even really theme heavy. Yeah. Um, it just sets you in these moments that are really potent and powerful. And, um, I think for me, I feel like I need to watch this like three more times to come away with like an actual conclusion of how I feel about it. But <laughs> yeah, I would recommend I, it to, I think a lot of people. I feel the same way. A couple quick things I want to bring up. One it's It was very funny to me that they kept kind of referring to Yang as a brother, yeah, um, because there was nothing sibling like in that relationship, no. like it yeah. felt much more like a nanny, <laughs> yeah, um, because the way that she would kind of like he would always be at her beck and call when she told that story about her the little girl waking up in the middle of the night and him like going to get water with her whenever she wanted. Yeah. I was kind of like, that is not brother behavior, you know, no. like that. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Nanny behavior. <laughs> right. Um, so that was interesting how like we, especially like I, I, you know, I think the way our culture treats nannies is also, mm -hmm. we, we do a lot of questioning of that. And yeah. this movie I think is very subtly pointing out like the idea that we like talk about our, child care workers as part of the family when clearly they like are separate and yeah yeah, yeah. we treat um, them separate but right um, but we talk act about like, them as yeah. yeah 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 um yeah so that i thought was really interesting um i thought one of the most moving scenes for me for you mentioned when he talked to colin the tea scene when he was talking to colin's Farrow's character mm -hmm. um I, for me, it was when he was talking with the, the mother character. What's, what's her mm. name? It's jo What is it? Jodie Turner-Smith. Yes. I kept wanting to be like, it's not Jodie Smith McPhee. Yeah. It's another, <laughs> it's, yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Jodie Turner-Smith. Yeah. When their scene together was really special for me. Mm -hmm. Um, when you, he talked about collecting those butterflies. Yeah. Um, there was the phrase that he said in that scene where. It was something I I don't have the exact wording down, but like in order for there to be nothing, there has to be something. Yeah. Um, that whole discussion and this discussion of what is after life mm -hmm. when you are a human versus when you are not, I loved. I I thought I was so entranced. Um, I I, I just I, like you said, I can't wait to watch this movie again and to take more and more from it each time I watch it. Yeah, it definitely feels like a movie that's going to continually give new stuff the more you see it. So, yeah. I'm I'm excited. I Me want too. him to con I want him to make another one immediately. <laughs> so. I know, I know. We can't have this long of a gap again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Um, 
Um, so that's after Yang. It's available in theaters and Showtime. on Showtime. Yep. <laughs> All right, Sandra. Um, thank you for doing this episode with me, and thank you for um, having five different Oscar predictions than I did. I think it'll be very fun to uh, tally that up at the end of the the Oscars this year. So yeah, next um, time we talk. I know. This will be a winner. I know. In the meantime, where can people find you on the internet? People can find me on all social media platforms at Sandra Amstutz. My last name is spelled A-M-S-T-U-T-Z. But yeah, Instagram is probably where I'll be posting food pics from the Oscars. So definitely check me out there. All right. You can find me everywhere at Lucas and Stuff. I will be on Twitter all throughout the Oscars for sure. Oh, Um, absolutely. For sure. (laughs) It's the best part. (laughs) All right. We'll see you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thank you. Goodbye now. Goodbye. Go away. I'll see you soon, okay? That's it? Go home? Yep. Move along, Padre. Goodbye, old friend. That's it. That's our show for tonight, people. 